Good morning. Just by a show of your hands, can you hear me well? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So KK Ramamurthy, and for folks who, who know me, that's probably like 10% of my name, but that's OK. Um, so I'm a principal solution architect here at AWS, and I focus on what we call as an extend strategy for our customers. We have thousands of customers who are already running SAP on AWS, and they're already seeing big business benefits. But largely, that has been focused on the infrastructure benefits, which is compute network and storage. And usually, that is the first step in their transformation journey. What they are really asking us is, how can we innovate on IoT, machine learning, big data and analytics, DevOps, and all the things that AWS brings to them? If you have, been, if you have attended my session last year, anyone from last year in here attended my session? A couple of folks. So what I walked through is how you can innovate in all these uh, five pillars. And one of the feedback that we got is, can we go dig deeper into these areas? So today, I'm going to walk you through on data and analytics, OK? So let's set the stage first. And this is going to be a demo-driven session. Um, I've been told my English is way better in demos. Um, so data is everywhere. Data gets continuously created. It gets exponentially generated. Right? Every five years, it increases 10 times. And then it lives forever, right? On an average, data lives for 15 years. So obviously, there is a need for storing a lot of this data in a very economical way. Then everyone needs access to data as well. What we are also seeing now these days is the personas that are accessing data are very different than what it used to be a few years ago. We have data scientists who need totally different ways to access the data. We have tech-savvy business users who want to slice and dice the information the way they need to uh, analyze, right? Um, and then we have typical operational reporting for your executives as well. So obviously, data is getting generated uh, across multiple systems, right? It's not just one single ERP application that generates data anymore. You got your SaaS applications. You got newer data sources like social media or even uh, uh, IoT devices. So various types of structured and unstructured data is being created. And it almost makes sense for you to bring all this data into one single area, catalog it, and make sure your users can access from it. Okay? So that's the whole concept of the data lakes. Now let's dig deeper, right? So as we said, we are here because we want to learn how you can help your customers bring SAP data into these data lakes. Now I'm going to show you various reference uh, architectures and various extraction patterns that we have seen with our customers. And then while you go through these patterns, what I want to keep in the back of your mind is all these six bullet points in here, right? Which is basically what and, I, what and why before how. Why is that important? Because you are going to choose more than one pattern depending upon what and why you are going to deal with. There is no one single silver bullet, no. Volume and performance requirements. Obviously, you're going to deal with heavy transactional data with SAP. So depending upon your customers' use cases, the performance, the volume and the performance requirements might be very different. There is data context. And this is by far one of the most important things that you need to keep in your mind, because when you are talking about an SAP uh, package solution like SAP, a lot of business logic resides in the application layer. So just pulling, pulling all the data from the database doesn't make any sense. Buy versus build. Right, where your customers want to actually invest on. There's licensing requirements too. Right? Depending upon what your customers have, 
licensed SAP solution because there are certain runtime licenses will have some restrictions around what you can pull from the database, where you can pull the data from. And then obviously the total cost of ownership for your customers. Okay. Now, data lakes on AWS are powered by multiple services. For example, Amazon S3 is where you bring in all the data and store it at scale, globally available, very cost effective for your customers. And then there is Athena, which can run queries directly on uh, Amazon S3. There is Glue, which you can use for running your own ETL processes. There is Redshift and Redshift Spectrum for your data warehouse uh, capabilities. So there are various tools available for you already to do some really, really cool things with that data. But what we want to actually talk about now is how do you get SAP data into this, uh, uh, into this data lake? And we will start with Amazon S3, okay? So everything I talk now from now on until this end of this session will be focused on getting SAP data into Amazon S3 because we know once data gets into Amazon S3, you can do whatever you want with that, with the AWS tool sets. Okay. So let's set the stage. Uh, as in with SAP solutions, though, we'll be focusing on ERP solutions, which is either ECC or S4 HANA. Uh, just by a quick show of hands, uh, how many of you are partners here? Because this session is also open for customers. How many customers? Thank you. So you might be running your ERP applications. You might still be running in traditional databases, or you might be in a journey to move into S4 HANA. But whatever I'm talking here is valid for both. You might be also using SAP BW, and a lot of our customers are in the analysis phase when you are migrating S4 HANA, what does that BW mean? Is BW going to be a component within S4 HANA, or is it going to be a separate instance? Those type of conversations are happening as well. So, so I'm going to address those as well in this, okay? So at the end of the day, it's all in the database. It's still a relational database. Even with S4 HANA, it is still a relational database. And a vast majority of the business logic in the SAP applications resides on the ABAP stack. Okay. SAP writes the code, SAP writes the business processes, even with S4 HANA, even with the code push capabilities to S4 HANA, the business process logic, the entry point for your API still resides in the ABAP stack. Now, one pattern is basically go at the database level and extract the, uh, uh, extract the data. We have seen some of our customers do that already where they would use a third-party adapter to go and pull the data from the transactional files, uh, transaction logs and the change logs, not directly connecting to the database as an application, but as the database writes the transaction logs and the application logs, these third-party adapters, which are certified by SAP, can go and pull the data uh, from those files. Okay? And we will look into that pattern as well in a minute. Or you can use AWS Glue or Lambda and write in your own code and connect to the backend database using uh, JDBC drivers, or if it is uh, HANA, SAP has provided a lot of uh, 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 packages in either Python or Node.js or, or Java or Go, depending upon the language of your choice, you can use those to pull directly from the database as well. Then as you go through the application stack, right, uh, and I'm going to show you the patterns in here and we're going to dig deeper into each one of these patterns with the demo. But from a patterns perspective, as you go up the application stack, why do you want to do that? Because SAP is a packaged application, which means you want to go in the application level to pull the data, right? So that the business context is retained. So ABAP stack in itself has its tables, views, queries. It has frameworks like IDOCs. You have function modules and BAPIs, the good old modules. 
And then there are solutions like SAP Data Services, which can directly integrate with the backend SAP application, either through native layers like RFCs or, uh, uh, or using uh, ABAP programs to pull the data. Or you can write AW glue, AWS Glue or Lambda scripts to actually pull those data directly from these uh, BAPIs and function modules and IDOCs, and I'll show you a demo of that as well. Then you go up the stack, right? Because there are various ways you can pull the data. Why would you go up the stack? Because the more you go up the stack, the more the business context and the, the more uh, the, the interrelationships are uh, already maintained for you, right? So for example, SAP has data sources and data extractors already available. Uh, uh, SAP had to have those for pulling the data from ERP applications into SAP BW, for example. There are CDS views. In the HANA world, there are CDS views. Uh, what CDS views are uh, core data service views, in which case SAP can actually uh, provide all this business logic in a nice little view for you. And if you're an S4 HANA customer, this should not be new to you already. And there is SAP SLT also, which can basically write triggers on your behalf on the underlying database for you to pull data in real time. So these are all various data providers that's already available for you on the SAP side. Now then you use operational data provisioning, which is a framework SAP came up like, I, would, I wanna say three, four years ago for pulling data from these data sources. So all these data sources can act as a, a data supplier for, uh, or a data provider for operational data provisioning. And then you can expose those as nice little APIs using your data, which means you have an option now to use solutions like SAP Data Hub or AWS Glue and Lambda again to pull the data from uh, SAP at that level. And we will see an example of that using a demo uh, here as well. And then finally, the fourth pattern is you can just use SAP SLT to directly push the data into an SAP supported database. And from there, you can use AWS Glue to pull the data into your uh, Amazon S3 as a landing zone. So I call this as a simple scaffolding technique, right? There are four different uh, patterns available for you, three different layers, uh, and there are various options for you to tap into SAP data in each of these layers, okay? Let's dig deeper. Database level extraction. Now we talked about how you can directly go to the database. Yes, there are some advantages to this. For example, if you're using a third-party solution that goes behind the transaction logs and the change logs, uh, that's actually pretty uh, uh, useful for you when it comes to change data capture, because we know SAP doesn't capture the date and change date and timestamp for all the tables and all the fields. How are you going to figure out change data capture in those cases? These type of solutions can help you there. However, point to note though, you need to consider the licensing restrictions because there are certain types of licensing which your customers might have opted for, and if you're a customer, if you have opted for, it might not allow you to go to the database file level, okay? From the HANA perspective though, if you're running a HANA instance, you should be able to directly connect it through JDBC, for example. So that's a pattern I will show it to you using AWS Glue or Lambda. So why would you use AWS Glue or Lambda and when would you use the third-party application? Some of the key consideration is if you want to have change data capture and if you don't want to worry, uh, build for, you know, build custom developments, rather you would just buy before build, you can definitely use the third-party adapters. But if you're somebody, if you if you're if you're a customer who wants to basically write simple scripts to pull the data out, you want to build your own uh, uh, modules, then using Glue or Lambda will give you that benefit because once you have set up the framework, then you don't have to actually pay for licenses. You only pay for what you use. So bring up the uh, bring up the Glue instance or you know bring up the Lambda instance and then pull the data you want. And then after you don't use it, you don't pay for it. 
Okay. So let's actually go uh, go into a quick demo in here. Let me make sure. Okay. There you go. So what I have in here is I'm going to quickly show. You. I'm doing this all with lambda functions because it's much easier for me to uh, quickly run it. Uh, but you can do the, exactly the same thing using an AWS glue, using a Python shell job as an example. Um, much of this code is already available in GitHub. I've put in references, links to the resources in here. Um, so you should be able to try it out in your own environments if you, uh, if you want to try these out as well. So in here I have a simple Lambda function and I have a simple layer in here. A layer in uh, Lambda is basically all your libraries that you can package together nicely and then use it in multiple functions. This layer has a function that SAP has already provided, it's a Python library that SAP has already provided that can, all, that can help you to directly connect to HANA database, okay? So I have a HANA database, I have an ABAP application system running on a HANA database, and then I'm going to actually access this particular HANA database using this Lambda function. Let me bring to your attention some of the parameters that I've given here, right? So I've just used the library, and in that I'm saying, hey, you know, bring me all the data from a backend application, put it into this S3 bucket. This particular S3 folder. Here is the IP of my uh, backend SAP application. Here is the port for my HANA database. Here is the table that I want you to go and pull, okay? Uh, just so that, you know, I've got to show you SAP GUI because otherwise you won't believe this is from an SAP system. So let me quickly go and show you that table. Oops, sorry. So that table name is SEPM SSDL, right? SEPM underscore SDDL, SOH underscore J, display. So it's a simple uh, uh, table that's already available. It has about uh, how many entries? About 5,600 entries, okay? All I'm doing here is once I've, and then I'm also storing the authentication information for connecting to the Ahana database in a simple secret store so that I don't have to hard code my user ID and password in here, especially when I'm sharing it with 100 folks in here, right? So then in here, all I'm doing is using this simple client library and I basically just run simple SQL comments. And I'm saying select all the records from this. A simple SQL comment. Obviously, this is not production ready, but it shows you a pattern of what you can do with this. And I'm going to run this test. So it basically connected to the backend uh, ABAP application, and then it downloaded a file with this name, which starts with EB. So I'm going to go in here, and then that was my bucket. And that was the file that just got downloaded now, starts with EB, right? Let us download this file and see the contents of the file. What, what this particular uh, Lambda function did is simply connected to the backend SAP uh, uh, database using the Python libraries, and then it downloaded all the rows in that particular table as a JSON uh, document. Now, it doesn't have to be JSON document. You can write what you want in the Python code, but what you're seeing here is a simple way to connect to the database level. So think about HANA systems that has calculation views. If your customer has calculation views, you can already go tap onto this very easily. And if you're using it as a glue job, you can split it across multiple, uh, uh, multiple instances, or even with Lambda, you can do it. It's for you to decide which one you want to do. 
I would suggest use glue because it gives you a lot more capability in you know, long running jobs and monitoring them and scheduling them. But if it is a quick pull, Lambda could work well as well. Okay? So that was a simple demo to show you how you can use database level extraction using AWS uh, um, Lambda uh, function. So that was the database level. Let's go up the stack, which is application level extraction. Why would you want to go to the application level? It's purely because, as you saw, when I pulled it from the database, I was able to pull it from one table or maybe a view, right? That's okay, but I've lost the business context. I don't know what the relationships are between the tables. So I might want to go a level higher. I might want to go pull it from a function module or maybe even an IDOC. A lot of customers, one thing I've realized that as I talk to more customers, I thought IDOC is something that customers might not do, but every other customer I talk to, IDOC still seems to be very effectively used, right? Um, so especially with B2B integrations, there is a lot of uh, use with uh, IDOCs. So you can basically go up the level where not only you are just getting data from multiple tables, you don't have to worry about the relationships that's already been maintained for you. Let's say you want to get all the sales orders from a specific territory. You can run a function module that is going to give you that list. Instead of you having to stitch together 15, 20 different sales order tables in the SAP side. Okay? So the, you get the business context. The relationships are maintained for you, which means you don't have to do additional uh, transformation efforts after you have pulled in the data uh, out of uh, SAP into S3. But the biggest challenge here is change data capture. Because when the data changes, unless the function module supports it, you are not going to be able to pull it. So that's the biggest con of this particular uh, process. But with IDOCs, though, there are some change pointers and you know, capabilities for you to basically you know, shoot an IDOC whenever a transaction changes. So that could be effective for you as well. Okay? So those are all some of the key considerations that you want to uh, uh, that I want to take into account when you are designing this. Or if you say, I want to use something like SAP data services, that's, that's perfectly okay too. One of the good thing about data services is, well, first of all, it has been around for quite some time. Uh, it is meant for pulling data from SAP. And then data services can actually deploy an ABAP program on your behalf. So that's powerful because sometimes pull is not always the uh, best way, right? You want to push data from the processing application for performance reasons. And, and, and uh, uh, data services can spawn an ABAP program and it can take care of that for you, okay? Uh, think about some potential performance uh, limitations in here because you are hitting the SAP application, right? It's an application level integration, which means you are competing for the resources that your transactional system is already using, okay? So consider that. Sometimes there are potential licensing restrictions too. Indirect license will come back, right? So definitely connect with your SAP representatives to see what specific, or with the customer, to see what specific licensing agreements they have. Because there are certain licensing agreements that you cannot just use the SAP user ID and then pull the data out, okay? So consider that as well, okay? So let me actually go and show you a simple demo. In this case, I'm going to use an IDOC framework, right? Um, you can also use function modules, as I said, uh, and you know function modules. You can SAP supports calling a function module using an HTTP integration. Not many people know that. Folks think that function modules can only be called using an RFC adapter. That's not true. So we have uh, already published a sample code 
that will help you to connect to an RFC function module using an HTTP layer. All you need to do is activate some services, and then you can access those function modules from a Lambda function. But in this case, though, I'm going to show you an example of how you can use an IDOC that's created in an ABAP system and then push it into Amazon S3. There is a blog that uh, I had blogged a few months back about this pattern. Um, uh, how many of you know that we have a blog site, AWS, SAP on AWS blog site? Few hands went up, so we need to do a better job at making sure you all know about it. There is a link at the end of this deck uh, that you should be able to uh, access. And there, in that, I've given the entire patterns with sample code that you can easily wire using CloudFormation, okay? However, I want to show it to you how this works. So I might as well just launch that blog and show you there itself. So this is our landing page for all our blogs, and that's the IDOC integration blog. So let's see, the, uh, let's see the integration pattern in here. What we are going to do is create some IDOCs in an SAP application, and then we are going to use Amazon API Gateway as an entry point for those IDOCs. But then you just don't want to leave API Gateway wide open, right? So we are going to use Lambda to authorize the calls. There is a way you can easily authorize the calls using Lambda within API Gateway. And then once the call has been authorized, the data gets stored into Amazon S3. Very simple. And because it's API Gateway, it's managed solution, you don't have to worry about uh, you know, performance or scalability or whatnot. We will scale it for you automatically. Okay? And then we will use, in this case, though, in this demo, I've used Amazon Cognito as an authentication layer for authenticating that particular call. But you can just ask, use simple IAM users, which is access key and security, secure key. To, uh, to allow access to your uh, uh, API, okay? So let's go and see the SAP side. On the SAP application, I've got a simple uh, HTTP connection in here. It says, I'm hoping to see if I can make this bigger, probably not. So I've got an SAP simple, uh, simple RFC destination in here. What this destination does is it basically connects to a API gateway API. And then it also has logon and security in here. So there are you know, user ID and password that's already in here, and that's securely stored by SAP. Let me do a quick connection test. So that gives me HTTP 200, which means now SAP can access an API gateway API okay, through this RFC destination. Then what I want to do is go ahead and create a Simple partner profile. So in here, I've created a simple partner profile for sending IDOCs. So I've called this as, oops, this particular application. And you know, I'm just using a simple flight data model. For those of you who live the SAP world, flight data model has been around forever. I'm just using a simple flight data model, which is data about flights and connections as an IDOC. And then I'm sending that to this particular receiver port, which is actually connected to that RFC destination that I created just now, or that I showed just now, okay? Now let's go ahead and create a simple IDOC. I'm going to use an existing IDOC. So I got from this port, right, from, uh, uh, from uh, an SAP application, send it to the API gateway port. Simple, straightforward IDOC configuration. Uh, the data can be anything because I don't have any uh, uh, any uh, logic in here, but maybe I can fill in uh, some extra content in here to say 
test for reinvent demo. And I am going to start the outbound processing. Now, what is happening is when I am clicking this and when I am saying send the IDOG, it is actually connecting to the API gateway, send the payload as an XML to the API gateway. Okay? That happened. Now I'm going to go into the API service. Let's go quickly to the API gateway service in here. So in the API gateway service, I have a couple of things going on. One is there is a Lambda authorizer that is being called on. And the Lambda authorizer will basically make sure that the authentication that is coming in, and all of this is available to you as a sample code in the blog. You can download and already use it as such. What's it doing is it's basically authenticating the user based on, based on whatever header uh, authentication information I'm passing on. And once that is done, let's just go and quickly see. Let's see, IDOC. So that's the API gateway. And in here, I have a post request in here. And the post request basically does call to an IDOC authorizer. And once the IDOC authorizer says, yes, you're good to go, you can actually send it to the target, it calls another Lambda function to store it into Amazon S3. Let's go into the S3 bucket and see whether if, if it did uh, bring it in. Let's go into Amazon S3. Okay, IDOC bucket. That's my IDOC bucket. And let me just sort it based on the date created, December 2nd. So that's the file that was created just now. Let's download it. And then let's open this up. Okay, let's open this up in a visual code editor. So what you are seeing is this is, a, uh, this is an XML document. Let's format it so that we can read through it. Oops. So that is the XML document that got downloaded just now. And you should be able to see the text I, I put there, test for reinvent demo. So let's kind of quickly summarize what we did. What we did here is created an API gateway put in a Lambda authorizer to that API gateway API so that it can authenticate what data is coming in. Then on the SAP side, you created a simple RFC destination. You put in the user ID and password that you had used in the Lambda authorizer, which is the Cognito user ID password. And then what you did is we, we basically created a partner profile. We, we also created a sample IDOC and sent it to the API gateway. And API gateway, after authenticating it, stored it into Amazon S3. Okay. Some things you want to consider. There are some limits on the API gateway, the volume of uh, data you can send. Um, uh, so check for those, because if you're bundling up IDOCs, if you're sending thousands of IDOCs in one single call, uh, you might hit some of those limits. But you can always you know, play around with what is the ideal amount for you to uh, send the IDOC in bundles. Okay? Very simple, straightforward. Once the data is in XML, now you can run a whole set of uh, you know, your own Python code in Amazon, uh, in AWS Glue, uh, to write your own transformations and then do whatever you want after that. Make sense? All right. So that was the pattern number two. Let's talk about pattern number three, which is operational data provisioning. Now this is, I, I really like this pattern because it gives me best of both worlds. One. I can do bulk data loads. And within the bulk data loads, you can choose the size or the chunk size of the data. Okay? Let's say if you have, um, I don't know, like 20 million records. 
instead of pulling all the 20 million records in one single shot, you can basically chunk them up in like, let's say, 50,000 each. The best part is operational data provisioning. That framework is smart enough to know that when you query like, hey, you know, I want data, but give it to me in chunks, it'll give you what's called as a skip token. The idea there is for the next subsequent calls, you would use the skip token to access more information. So the first pull, if it was from record number one to record number 50,000, then the second call would be from record number 50,001 to 100,000. So that is really helpful when you're dealing with a huge volume of data to do the first time load. But then, if the supplying data source supports delta, right? For example, if you have a data extractor that you might have used for your BW application, and if it already supports delta, be it generic delta or whatever type of delta that it supports, what you can use is operational data provisioning is smart enough to know the delta queues that the data source supports delta operations. So after the initial pull, what it will give you is what's called as a delta token. And whenever you call that OData function with the delta token, you're only going to receive the new records that were created or updated since the last bulk pull. So not only you're going at the application layer, right, because a vast majority of our customers are already going to have some kind of data sources, extractors, and with the newer versions, SAP is going to give you guys the CDS views. So not only you are using the higher level services for you to pull the data with all the business context maintained, but you're also enabling change data capture out of the box, okay? So that is the best part about it. Um, but uh, th there are some things that you need to consider as well which is uh, there are only certain versions of NetWeaver gateway supports OData libraries to be provisioned as, uh, sorry, ODP, lab, ODP uh, endpoints to be uh, surfaced as OData, right? Because in this case, what you're doing is you're using an extractor, making it as a data source for ODP and then exposing it as OData. So there are some NetWeaver limitations. I believe it's 7.4 and, and, and some SP level. Uh, but you know, vast majority of our customers should be already there in that anyway, okay? What you also want to consider is uh, uh, additional uh, licensing uh, requirements that might come in. You know, it's going to come in, that pattern is going to come in in every other area that you're going to uh, extract data from SAP with. Always consider that as well. Um, and then also potential performance impacts because this is at the application level, right? So you might want to time it in such a way that it is not competing with the transactional resources as well. Now, if you don't want to use um, something like Data Hub, right? Data Hub actually can connect directly to ODP using native RFC libraries. So the performance could be a little bit better, right, than OData. But if you don't want to use a solution like Data Hub because, you know, for licensing requirements or for the cost of ownership, you could always go to an AWS Glue or a Lambda job and directly go to OData and then pull the data. Okay? So what I'm going to do now is show you a simple demo, and we are going to build this from scratch just for the fun of it. So again, going back to the, uh, hopefully the folks in the back row can see the screens in here. Um, but let us go back to the uh, SAP application and then quickly create a data extractor. Oops. It's a little slow here, okay. So data sources or data extractors are something that's already available for you for SAP BW. So in this case, what I'm doing is I'm creating a custom data source. And this custom data source is for fetching sales order data from backend SAP application. 
In this case, I've kept this data source as simple. I'm just going to pull it from a view. But you can also write more complex extractors from function modules or use standard SAP extractors, which is available to you out of the box. Okay. So let's go into this table. Let's see how many records this table has. About 5,602 records. Okay. So remember this, because we are going to do a full load in chunks, but then we are also going to do a delta. Okay. So 5,602 records in this. So I've created an extractor. One of the things in this extractor is there is a generic delta. Okay. And then because this particular table has a change that field, I'm using that as the delta uh, uh, the, uh, that, that field as the one which is going to tell me whether a record changed or updated or not. Okay? So all this is standard SAP functionality. Now once I've done this, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to create an OData service for it. How many of you know or worked with OData? Good. So for those of you who have not worked with OData, OData is SAP's way of exposing REST APIs. And it's the way for you to integrate with SAP if you're building applications using Fiori or if you're using uh, web applications, but it can also be used for cases like building integrations, okay? So in here, I'm gonna create a simple service. Let's call it AWS reInvent. Demo for reInvent. Can be a local object. Now, once I have the service, the first thing I'm going to do in here is Go to the data model, and then redefine the data model, okay? Because I've not created any data model. All I've created is one single blank service, okay? So I'm going to redefine the data model, and then I'm going to say, use ODP extraction. So for those of you who cannot see that particular uh, option there, that's ODP extraction. So SAP provides it out of the box, right? One thing you will see here is all of this is wizard-driven, right? You are not actually coding it. So I'm going to say, use operational data provisioning as a framework for pulling data. Now in here, there is multiple ODP contacts. Remember I showed you three different boxes that can be a data provider for ODP. So there is, um, there is core data services, there is uh, data extractors, and then there is SLT. In this case, I'm going to use data extractors. And then I'm going to use the data extractor that I've already created, which is this particular extractor that I just showed you now, okay? Oops. So then I have to add the ODP. I've added the ODP and then I'm going to have SAP generate the data model for me using the wizard. So it is creating a bunch of, oops, sorry, local object. So it is creating a bunch of, uh, uh, it is going to create a bunch of ABAP classes for representing the data model. And because this supports delta, it is asking me what kind of entities do you want to expose using OData. So I'm going to choose all, right? So there is, I want full load, but then I also want delta load. So I've done that. Now I have created a data model, okay? Now the next thing to do is generate the runtime objects. What this is going to do is create all the runtime objects for accessing the data model. Again, you don't have to code anything, no ABAP coding required here. SAP wizard will actually take care of all that. And then the last step you want to do is expose the service. So I'm going to go in here and then register the service. Local object. 
and then the service is created. Let me quickly access this service. Let me just make sure that service can be reachable. So let me stop here for a minute. Let's walk through what we did. We created a data extractor. But in most cases, you're going to use an out-of-the-box extractor. Most of your customers have some kind of an extractor. That extractor is delta-enabled using change at field in the table. <clears throat> then we created a gateway service. Then we redefined the data model for that gateway service using ODP as the context. And with, and with the, and with the uh, extractor as the supplier of data. Then we also automatically created the services. We, we generated runtime services. We exposed the service. What you need to do is I've published, a, and, and there is a link at the end of this document as well. I've published a simple uh, Lambda package that you can readily use. So let me go in here, ODP. And then in this package, what we are going to do is just provide the service name. Okay. So the service name that we created is ZAWS reInvent. So I'm going to use that. AWS reInvent. And then I'm also going to use the entity. In this case, I'm going to use the same entity that I've created. And then everything else is same. Okay. So basically what I've said is here is the service I've exposed. Here is the entity you want to access. And then the extractor module that we have published open source takes care of everything for you. We retain the skip tokens. We retain the delta tokens. All of that is taken for you. All you need to do is just do this and then call the call the uh, service. Okay, so let's do that. So I'm going to do a test in here. Oh, one more thing. Um, you might want to note this also. I'm pulling only 4,000 records at a time. Remember, we had about 5,602 records. So I'm going to only pull the first 4,000 records. So let me go hit test. What's now happening is it's basically calling that backend. Oops. There's some error in the... I think the service name was incorrect, so that's good. You now know this is real demo. It's not made up. Let's go ahead and test. So now what's happening is this particular code is actually connecting to the backend SAP application and calling that service. And it says it downloaded 4,000 records because I asked for 4,000 records, and it's going to go and download it as this file. So let's go and quickly look into this uh, bucket. ODP, that's the bucket, that's the folder. And then the file I created is just this, okay? So let me download this very quickly. So it downloaded and you see there are 4,000 records that it downloaded, okay? Now the best part is because, I, because it gave me the skip token, I've already written the skip token, so I'm gonna hit the test again. Now it downloaded, but it downloaded 1602 because there were 5,602 records, 4,000 was uh, downloaded. So let me just quickly go and uh, make sure that it was indeed downloading the delta. The file name was F9 something. So F9, download. So now that is the new file, it's got 1602. Now, what do you think should happen when I test now? It should basically say no records, right? Because obviously there are no new records, and that's exactly what it said. There are no new records available. 
But what if I go and create a new record? Let's actually go ahead and do that. So I'm going to go in here and create a simple uh, uh, sales order in here. Let me create it. The business partner can be this. Test for reinvent. Okay. So I created a simple sales order. Now when I run the same code, because I had the Delta token, I'm calling that service always with the Delta token. Now SAP says, oh yeah, I got a new record for you. Here you go. Number of records is one. And just to make sure it was indeed that record that was pulled in, the file name here was 687 something. And that's the file. Download. There we go. So that was the one record that was pulled in. So you see, your, see what's going on in here, right? So ODP basically takes care of all that subscribers. And here is the interesting point. You might have multiple subscribers for the same data. So there could be multi one provider, but multiple subscribers. So one downstream application might be pulling data every one week. Another downstream application might be pulling data every day. You can manage all that with multiple subscriptions based on the user ID that gets connected to the backend. Okay. So you could do some really cool things in here. So that is the ODP, uh, ODP extract, which basically we created, a, we created a OData service. We used ODP as an extraction pattern. And then what we did is we created a simple Lambda function to call that OData service, and then supply the URLs and the, and, the, and the parameters. And this is very well documented by SAP. And it's also going to be, I'm going to be publishing a blog soon about this. So once you go to the blog site, you will also see all those uh, uh, code available for you to use this in your setup, okay? Cool. So that was the uh, OData service. Then the fourth pattern, very quickly, uh, before that, I also want to show you the end-to-end -end, uh, end -end flow, right? So the fourth pattern is using SLT. This could be useful for you if your customer already has SLT runtime licenses or enterprise licenses. If they have SLT enterprise license, then SAP actually is supporting baddies in SLT, which means you can use customizations in baddies to actually write directly to Amazon S3 using simple HTTP calls. Okay. Or you can just push the data into an SAP supported database like another HANA application as a top gap. It doesn't have to be like a huge HANA application, right? Because you are not using it for uh, using it for storing all the data. You're just using it as a bypass layer. And then from there, you can pull it to downstream applications using the techniques that I already showed you. OK? So what is that customers are actually trying to do? Let's kind of, at the end of the day, what do customers want to do? It's not that they, they don't want to be just pulling data out of SAP and putting it into Amazon S3. That's a starting point. Right, SAP already provides, right? When you have uh, S4 HANA or ECC, SAP already has uh, operational reporting out of the box. Especially with S4 HANA, with embedded analytics, your operational reporting is already taken care, and your customers can do that directly on SAP. But then now, as customers are also investing on non-SAP applications, and that is IoT data streams coming in. Which means now, you need to bring all this data into a common landing layer. So you can use AWS Glue and Lambda. I already showed you some of the samples in here, demos in here, how you can pull that information from backend SAP and put it into Amazon S3. And then once you store that in Amazon S3, you can do all kind of analytics on top of it. You can use Redshift for your data warehousing. You can use Athena for seamlessly querying. Then you can apply all the all kinds of cool machine learning on top of it. We have already out-of-the-box machine learning services like forecast and personalization. 
or you can write your own, bring in your own models, bring in your own data models, and then use Amazon SageMaker to do that. And then using lake formation, you can streamline all of this, right? The security and how, how all these buckets are created, how all these partitions are done. You can already automate all of that using lake formation. And then you can give your users access to all of that by exposing it as simple APIs. You can build Fiori apps on top of it. You can, you can use, you know, here is another pattern that some of my customers have already used. From S4HANA, you can use SDA to federate your queries. So you don't have to store all the data in HANA. You can store it in Redshift and then federate those queries for your uh, analytics in S4HANA. And then that basically enables your customers to get that end-to-end -end enterprise analytics. Because what you're trying to do here is bring all the data sources together, put it into a data lake. Because Amazon S3 is uh, uh, very cost-effective, globally available, highly durable, it acts as a starting point for your data lake solutions. Then you start building all your capabilities on top of it. APA enable them and then provide access to those again to your business users through various web applications and functions that's available for you. Let me quickly show you what I did is with all the data I pulled in here, right? I wanted to kind of quickly show you some of the downstream applications. Yes, we started with saying that we will get the data to Amazon S3. Let's see what we can do. So in here, I got Athena in here. So for those of you who don't know about Athena, Athena is a querying tool where you don't have to do any transformation. You can actually query directly on Amazon S3, okay? So in here, I've got a bunch of Athena tables in here, and I'm going to quickly, there are various files that are available for me, and let's say sales order items, right? So I'm going to go in here and then say preview this table. A simple query directly there, what this is actually doing is directly going into the Amazon S3 uh, files and then pulling the queries and then getting the records for you. Okay, while it does that, once you get all this Athena queries, once you build all your queries, once you bring in Redshift and once you bring in uh, all kinds of uh, data and analytics tools, what you can do is build, I'm gonna show you a quick, I'm going to show you a simple QuickSight dashboard that we built. QuickSight is our visualization tool. I do think we might be hitting the internet load in here, but let's see. So what's happening here is QuickSight is a visualization tool. What this is doing is going back to the Athena queries, going back to the Redshift queries, and pulling all that information and creating the dashboards. Interesting part here is with QuickSight, you can already bring in machine learning insights directly. I brought in a simple insight there where I say, what is the net amount forecast for me, right? And it's as simple as adding a simple uh, insight in here. You can do an insight and then choose whatever insight you want. Let's say you want to do forecast. I want to do a forecast insight. And then I can add Net amount, I can add the time, which is all right, we'll see that, right? So I can add the time and what all the other fields that you want to actually drive insights to. And then that insight algorithm will automatically run with the data that you got have. And that's what you will see here on the right side, okay? So that's how you do your end-to-end -end enterprise analytics, okay? So let's quickly summarize what we learned so far. We saw, various, uh, we saw various ways to pull data from SAP. We saw it from the database level. We saw it from the application layer. Within the application layer, there were various techniques. We went through IDOCs. We, there, are available, there, are, there are modules available for you to pull from function modules, BAPIs. Then we did ODP using data extractors, ODP, OData, and then pull the data, put it into Amazon S3. And then we also ran Athena queries on top of that 
data, and then we also surface them in a simple QuickSight dashboard. It doesn't have to be QuickSight. You can use Tableau or any number of visualization tools that your customer uses. Okay. So that's all I had. Hopefully, this was a good uh, introduction for you to start thinking about some of these uh, uh, capabilities. I put in some additional sessions in here. The first session is a builder session. I'm running it four times. Builder session is much more kind of one-on-one -on -one interaction. Um, so if there is still, I don't think there's space available there, but you can definitely wait list. And if somebody doesn't show up, you can always uh, have that where you know, bring in your laptop. We can work together on it. I can show you some, some more examples that we have in our lab environment. Uh, or there are other uh, specific data like uh, scenarios and so other sessions that I thought might make sense for you when you deal with your SAP customers as well. That is the link to the blog site. Um, and then you know, the IDOC integration blog link is out there. So continue to watch that space for more, uh, uh, more blogs coming up in the next uh, couple of months. With that, hopefully this was useful. Uh, we got 10 more minutes. I think I might quickly take a question or two if you have some questions. Um, if not, a couple of quick uh, 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 housekeeping items. This session is being recorded. It will be available for you. It's, it's going to be in YouTube. It's going to be, the link should be available for you in the session catalog. Uh, the presentation deck will also be available for you in the session catalog. You can download it. I've got a bunch of my business cards in here. So if, you are, if you're in a hurry, but you still want to connect with me, have some questions later on, definitely send me an email. We can definitely chat. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time. Please leave your service.